0: The sixth pool of energy is the light chakra, located in the center of the forehead. It deals with insight and is blocked by illusion. The greatest illusion of this world is the illusion of separation. Things you think are separate
1: and different are actually one and the same. Like the four nations.
0: Yes, we are all one people. But, we live as if
2: divided. We're all connected. Everything is
0: connected. That's right. Even the separation of the four elements is an illusion. If you open your mind, you will see that all the
1: elements are one. Four parts of the same whole. Even metal is just a part of Earth that has been purified and refined. you rule. Welcome back to the Bitter Podcast. I am Sam Stanish. We are here today to talk about, oh, we are Queer Avatar The Last Airbender Superfan Podcast. Uh, We're here today to talk about the finale of book two of Avatar The Last Airbender. Very excited to get to everything that happened in this episode. Uh, And with me, as always, is my wonderful, wonderful co-host, who is the greatest earthbender who has ever lived, Derek Reining. Holy, wow, two wonderfuls and I'm the greatest earthbender?
2: That's like, wow. Um, Nice. Um, I'm just so excited to talk about a fictional coup instead of a real one.
0: Well... (laughs)
1: <laughs> and uh you Just Heard uh, is a friend of the pod. She was on an episode in season one. She is here to give guru level wisdom to us about <laughs> crossroads of destiny. Uh our wonderful guest, Millie Tamares.
0: Yay! Thank you for having me.
1: Of course. Thank you for being here. Yes. How are you doing, Millie?
0: Oh, man. Yeah, the the, the coup. <laughs> <laughs> were,
1: did you also like jump a
2: little when you heard that word? When you're like, oh, ugh, this is yeah, too real. <laughs>
0: no, I guess, yeah, no, I was Yeah, the relevancy hit. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, that coup was led by someone smart. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, a lot more efficient. More uh-huh. thought out. Mm -hmm.
0: yeah well thought out exactly not like this one
2: yeah the the costumes were a lot more stylish than the ones that were at the real coup
0: for sure for sure (laughs) yeah
2: yeah because last week we were talking about how um we felt like the earth king like that whole plot line felt way too real like this idea of like this figurehead being propped up by other people to like like sowing disinformation in the masses, and then it's like, oh, this episode just became even more hyper real just based on recent events.
1: Yeah, we last week we saw something that was paralleling the modern times, but this week we just got something that actually happened to us this exact same week. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy, yeah.
0: Crazy. I started, I yeah. I mean, I had you know we watched this a bunch of times, but I started from the tales of ba sing say. Ooh. um that that i love that episode so much it's like one of the sweetest ones
1: mm-hmm. and then
0: yeah like this is to go from that to this like so crazy right. and then uh, i don't even know but yeah the, <laughs> i mean the coup's crazy but
2: right but-, mm-hmm. but there's a bit of an emotional coup in zuko <laughs> Like, we're so close. He even says that at the beginning of the episode, things are looking up, Uncle. That's such a great way to set up the hopes of your young audience, and then just so you can dash them later and just probably traumatize them for the rest of their lives.
1: Yeah, he even calmly eats the gloppy-looking food prepared. That's how <laughs> you know he's turned to a good-natured spirit. hmm
0: Yeah, I feel like... I feel like Zuko's arc is so real and so good, and that like it takes somebody a few tries and a few mess ups to get to like to get, and they have to figure it out on their own. They can't be told, you know. Right. Yeah. Zuko was still really under the influence of his uncle. Like he didn't come up like with like I need to be good on his own he was listening to his uncle so i think when he finally does come around it's because he made the decision you know
1: definitely and it's also like it's obvious it's always it's been easier for him to like be a better person in this vacuum away from the influences of his family like his sister and his dad but like he's never put that to the test of being around as well and this is when when we see him be able to do that and it doesn't go well
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Like, I think, yeah, you're right. Like, people can really change and grow and and all this stuff. But then when they're around family, they easily regress and go back to normal shit, the shit that they've always done.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, and it's Azula just like lays it out so perfectly. She's just like, yeah, here, Zuko, I'm about to give you literally everything you've wanted for the past like X number of years of your life or you can keep, you know, eating this weird slop that your uncle likes and keep living this boring lifestyle that you only like just this morning decided you're okay with living. Like it, uh, it's like it makes total sense but it's like there's just that part of you that wants you like you want Zuko to want that. You want him to be okay with just living that simple life, but you know he just can't bring himself to do it at least not right now. But like you said, it feels very real.
0: <clears throat> but also like I feel like in the grand scheme of things, like it had to happen this way because his ultimate destiny and ultimate thing is so much greater than just serving tea, but he had to get there. So he had, he had to regress. Right. To to this thing where he's like, no, I, I want the war to be over and all the stuff. So. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And we've talked I mean, this is, we've, about the star wars parallels in the show a lot but this is just this episode was literally just beat for beat empire strikes back yeah i don't know
0: anything about star wars so
1: uh yeah well this is like in the in in empire strikes back like it ends on this down note where like everything has gone wrong for the heroes and like the evil people are winning and like and there are just a bunch of things in this episode that are very similar to what happens in that movie
0: Empire Strikes Back, is that one of the newer ones or the old ones?
1: No, the, original. No, it's from the original.
0: Okay.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like I mean, like this one, it's the second movie. So if this second season is kind of like the second movie of this trilogy too, so mm-hmm. it makes sense that they would kind of end on a similar note. And like Sam said, like literally the guru and Aang are just straight up yoda and luke skywalker in a lot of ways like the same like there's even like a moment in a cave where the hero sees the bad guy in an illusion and thinks it's real um and then of course he sees a vision of his loved one except in luke's case it's um actually his sister but he doesn't know that at that point so it's less creepy i guess um but it's yeah they're very similar beat for beat is a good way to put it but it's still i don't know it still works for me, even if it is maybe a
1: little derivative. <laughs> this is this is. I think these are my this together is my favorite episode of the show, so I have no issue with it being a rip off. <laughs> right
0: out oh of ripping off Star Wars.
1: Right, <laughs> yeah, you're like this is
2: <laughs> familiar. It works fine. It's
0: a rip off of fucking Quasarara um, films, so whatever.
2: Right. Yeah. The <laughs> I, uh, good art is, you know, just plagiarism but you know dressed up in a new way
1: yeah just put different names on the characters
2: right but uh yeah uh i really love like sam said these are just great episodes um no like uh a big part of that obviously is the fashion like i said before i mean (laughs) azula's green outfit gorgeous like we're so nice. She looks so to- cute. She does. She looks amazing in green, both as a Kyoshi warrior and in her like I have this outfit especially made just to take over the Earth Kingdom for this one episode. Um, I'm watch yeah. <laughs> <She> has- <laughs> yeah, Azula just has so many great girl boss moments in this episode, yeah. as we'll call them.
0: <laughs> I girl boss. I've been reading the um uh, the Kyoshi books.
1: Oh yeah. I- I've read the first one. I have not read the second one yet.
0: I'm reading, I'm halfway through the second one and it's really interesting. Um, Yeah, it's really, really interesting. Like, Kiyoshi Mm -hmm. and maybe like how Azula like cosplaying as Kiyoshi too is like interesting. Mm -hmm. But Kiyoshi, like actually learning about Kiyoshi is like, oh, she's like so shot, yeah, it's so interesting. Like, all the different avatars, I think we talked about this last time, like, have their own mission and destiny, and like their own things that they struggle with, and their own battles and stuff. So, it's all it's it's cool to see how what Kyoshi's was. Um, but yeah, like, avatar, um, it and then it also reminded me of um in Korra when um the bad guy in season two of Korra like that guy wants to he kind of wants anarchy a little bit right like that's his whole thing and he -hmm. and and then like his loved one died like he watched his loved one get killed um and then he was able to let go of attachments and fly and he's like the first Airbender to fly because he's completely let go of all the attachments. And that, that also wasn't Wonder Woman too, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it, like this crazy fucking one that just came out. Have you guys seen
1: that? I have no. not watched it. I've heard pretty negative reviews, so yeah. I, <laughs> didn't, I didn't I watch mean, it.
0: Yes. Are there are there eight different storylines? Absolutely. Is she a bad actress? Yes. <laughs> bad actress? Of course. Is she worse than um fucking the Rock or John claude Van Dam? Like is she a worse actor than them? No.
2: <laughs> That's um, fair.
0: Exactly. So for that, whatever. But there's a moment where you know she loses a loved one, like the guy that she's in love with, and then she flies. Cause she like realizes she has like no attach, you know. So yeah. it's kinda like, it's all these things that I just saw like connected. Of like, when you yeah. have you no know, earthly attachments, like you're free, whatever. But yeah, I personally agree with it. But you know, I'm just noticing.
1: <laughs> it yeah, the, I. This episode had a lot of very heady concepts that I don't, I definitely was not grasping as a 12 year old when I first saw it. I didn't understand really everything that was going on. Um, but they do talk a lot about how everything is the same and we're all one people, like they do all throughout the season. And, and they're also maybe commenting on how all media is the same and we're all just telling <laughs> the same story over and over and over.
2: Yeah, I believe Guru Patik says, you know, Avatar: The Last Airbender, Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four, the division is an illusion. They're just yes. exactly the same. <laughs> I'm
1: happy. I'm happy. Yes,
2: uh, I loved. Um, I loved that uh, speech from the Guru. Like this idea of everything, like the idea of borders or divisions, is like such. It's an illusion, and like, like you said, throughout the season, we kind of been getting reminders of that in subtle ways, like. This idea of even among earthbenders, there's different kind of earthbenders. There's sandbenders. Um, There's waterbenders who bend vines who don't even live at the poles. Like, the world is so much more diverse and interesting and intermingled than you, like, are originally led to believe by, like, just the premise of the show. Um, And even in this episode, Azula talks about the Dai Li. She uses the phrase, like, they have a, was it, like, a cruelty or something? Like, she described them as, like, very Fire Nation or something like that.
1: And I was then, gonna bring that
2: up too mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and I feel like I feel like that was all this season, especially for Zuko, was that he was so driven by the avatar <clears throat> and like finding the avatar and then when he like now in this season just had to focus on surviving and connecting with people from all these different nations, I feel like that's like was one of the lessons in compassion for him or that like people you know it's not about nations or this and that it's about like yeah just people like the kid in that like town or the date that he went on and all this (laughs) stuff like he wasn't he wasn't ever open to any of that because he was just so focused on fire nation fire nation fire nation
2: for sure and i mean like he's um throughout the season he's like stripped of his own identity. It's not just him interacting with other people who are different. It's like, he is kind of a different person because he can't wear the fire nation red. He can't have like his normal hairstyle. Like everything about him is so almost earth kingdom, but it's like just so like kind of a generic wanderer that he like, doesn't really have a nation throughout the season. So it's interesting that like, he kind of is embodied what the guru is trying to teach Aang in this moment throughout the season, like this idea of being a person who is like unaffiliated with anything. It's like just moving across nations.
0: Yeah.
2: Love that for Zuko. Zuko. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, but yeah.
0: also like we're like, I feel like this show has, in maybe season one, talked about the realities of genocide. I feel like this really shows the realities of refugees and like how they move and all that stuff. And like, that Zuko's a refugee, that he could have been a prince, you know, in another name. it doesn't matter. He's still eating shit. And like, yeah, like, you know, it doesn't matter when you're a refugee and all this stuff. And, you know, everyone's trying to start over. And, you know, he has his whole past, but like to connect to something else, Like in Kimmy Schmidt. (laughs) Everybody has their past and everyone has their story. And like all the people that he interacts have their own past and backgrounds and stuff. But like they're all just trying to move forward and look ahead in this new place. So that was something that was also like I noticed in this. Um,
1: Also, this episode, he got thrown in a cave. So it's very similar to Kimmy Schmidt. <laughs> Except yeah. no John Ham down there, sadly for them.
0: No John Ham, but um there was a love connection or something. <laughs> they said that they yeah. wanted like Katara and Zuko. There's like the creators like teased it and they, they were thinking of making them a couple, but then ultimately decided not to.
1: Yeah. I I mean I was watching it kind of laughing because like Aang is, like, flying across the country because he's realized that he could never give up his earthly attachments to her. And, like, in the meantime, she's down in this underground cave, like, titties out, like, holding on to Zuko and, like, coming on to him, like, right before that she gets rescued. (laughs) Oh, poor
2: Aang. Yeah, simping for this girl. And she's down in a cave with the man under this romantic... (laughs) <laughs> green lighting probably yeah. doesn't look make it, either of them look great to each other like it's giving them witchy undertones as Liz Lemon would say <laughs>
1: I I feel like this episode was once again bad badly symbolic for Katang like as yeah. a, a relationship like his re- his love for the air nomad people and his friends and Monkey was not romantic love. And like, so it's like, it doesn't. So when it gets to the earthly attachment thing at the end, it just doesn't read like, it doesn't make sense from before that he would be in love with her. But like, it, it feels like familial love as opposed to like romance.
2: Right. That's a good yeah. way to put it. <laughs> I think, you know, and
0: I was talking to somebody about um, the book, Kiyoshi books. And, you know, how Kyoshi is very, bi- you know, bi in the books. and Very. Very bi, yeah.
1: Extremely <laughs> bi.
0: Extremely bi. High bi energy. <laughs> and, um, you know, we're talking about reincarnation, about, like, maybe Aang is, bi- like, because Korra is bi, so it's, like, maybe all the avatars are bi, and then it's, like, well, Aang never had to, like, you know, Aang was always with Korra, but, I mean, um, Katara, but part of me is, like, Yeah, but they've probably gone through so much trauma together that they're bonded in a different way that is kind of family, is also romantic, is all these things, and like also like family, you know, like chosen family kind of stuff too. So I kind of see that. I'm like, maybe that's why they're together in this way of like, they've grown to love each other, who they are and who they've grown to be. I don't know.
2: For sure. Um, yeah, it's uh um I like I would argue Aang is kind of bi, or at least I've <laughs> like throughout book one, I feel like there was a lot of like hints with Aang and Zuko. I feel like they kind of had a little bit of tension there. But in this episode, there's a lot of like aggressive tension between them almost instantly. And I was trying to remember like when was the last time Aang and Zuko interacted before this? Um it would have been at uh probably the chase, right? In that abandoned town. I think so. Um, So it's, like, interesting that Aang's first reaction when they find Guitar and Zuko down there is he, like, glares at Zuko from, like, across the room. Um, And so I was just, like, trying to track, like, is, like, why would Aang be that angry with it? I guess maybe part of it we're supposed to read, like, he saw that they were close together (laughs) when they got down there. So maybe that's what's going on there. Um,
1: It's also just, like... I mean, when they saw each other in the chase, they weren't not fighting. Like, they were still fighting each other. They were just also fighting Azula. And then they teamed up right at the end. So, like, it's that's not, like, a full shift in their dynamic. No,
2: yeah. Thing. I was just, like, it's very funny to watch him just instantly, like, his eyes narrow at Zuko. Um, but it's, like, it, it, to me, it, like, works in a lot of ways because it's, like, a, um, this is something when I talked about in the desert is, like, Aang is very angry this season. Whereas in like book one, he's like a lot more happy-go-lucky and there's like kind of a tinge of sadness to him. And this season, he's like very outwardly angry at a lot of moments in a way we didn't get to see him before. And so it just like made perfect sense that like this book would end on Aang, just like having a lot of aggression towards Zuko like in that moment and then later in the fight, like obviously he would be aggressive during like physical combat. But like when he's charging at Zuko for like... On this, like, rock pile that he's created. He's like very intensely angry um, in a way that, once again, I feel like we've never really seen it before.
0: Yeah. I... um, When was, what season was the Blue Spirit? That was season one, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: And, yeah. So I feel like there's that, too, of like, I feel like Team Avatar has collectively given Zuko a bunch of chances to, like, you know, and they've teamed up, but Zuko always goes back to being shitty. So, you know, it's like hard to trust. Um, sure. But it's crazy because they have such a disdain and whatever. But then they instantly all trust Iroh immediately.
1: <laughs> Can you blame them?
0: No. <laughs> I, <don't
1: know. clears throat> I was about to say. Oh well, I was just thinking that like. Aang is coming directly from this like spiritual journey he was being guided on, and like the one thing that stopped him from achieving, I don't know, like inner peace and like full understanding of himself in the universe is Katara. So like to like you said before, to come down into the cave and see them so close together is probably a reason why he's so like agro about it from the jump. For sure.
0: And, yeah, they clearly have a chemistry, which is teased a lot in season three, or book three. Mm It's like, Katara and Zuko have energy, so.
2: It's true. I mean, we on this pod are very pro that
1: energy, so we'll see it there even if it isn't there. We'll be like, yep, there it is. (laughs) I, I love reading into scenes that have nothing to do with it and making it about Zuko and Katara being in love. (laughs) <laughs> just like any good fan should yeah
2: mm-hmm. oh man but
1: i do i was i was confused or i guess it was revealing to me in the when when iroh comes to their house and like toff is like it's a friend of mine who like i haven't seen in a while he gave me some advice I guess that's us, her saying that she didn't realize that it was the same guy in the town where they fought in the chase and, like, who got struck down by Azula. Like, she never, they never figured out that that was the connection.
2: Or maybe have they not explained who that was to her, maybe? Or, like, fully explained, like, yeah, these two have been chasing us, like, before all this, and they're both evil. Um, I don't know. I've, I feel like... I don't know. <laughs> maybe I mean, maybe she doesn't know all that, and she's still like, "Yep, still my friend. I don't care." <laughs> like, like, that's wouldn't
0: what... care about like alliances and yeah,
2: like... that would be very tough to be like, "Yeah, he's my friend. I don't care how he feels about you guys. This is my buddy."
0: He never did anything to me. <laughs> <Right>?
2: <laughs> exactly, man. Um, although, yeah, um, I feel like we haven't even talked about one of the biggest things that happens in this episode, which is Toph invents a new style of bending all by herself. Oh my, like God. like that whole scene is so incredible. And like, even like I've watched the scene so many times over the years and it still just gives me chills. Like the gurus talking about the idea of the illusion of uh, like difference between things. And then we're getting like the music just like swells and you get those shots of her just like slamming into the metal and you like can kind of tell where it's going, but it's still just every time. It's just like, oh, so good. I love
0: it. Yeah, and, like, I just love, like, how it's just such a small moment. And I don't know how much she really uses it for the rest of the series. But then, like, for in Korra, it's just such a big part of Korra is that, like, there's so many metal benders and stuff. But...
1: <laughs> yeah, fully right. ingrained in everyday life. Yeah, but I'm confused about how the Dailies use their hook things. If, right like what okay is that things. yeah
0: oh i thought their hooks were made of rocks
2: it might yeah it could be like a gray what? stone i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i'm not sure
0: Gloves that are made of rocks
2: yeah they have the gloves. they're really the good gloves. at throwing yeah oh, no. <laughs> they have like these chains that they send out too i think is what sam is thinking oh. about. i they've used them like a few times i yeah i think it's maybe like a momentum based thing <laughs> like yeah, they're just yeah, flinging okay. it early hard <laughs> um but yeah like that's so awesome i just love that moment of the like two bounty hunters where <laughs> the earthbending teacher is like it's one of her tricks and it's just like a massive gaping hole it's like oh, okay yep so just a, an illusion or something it's just like a great like even in this really dramatic like episode they always always find time for those great little jokes um and they're still funny and it's never like i don't know stupid humor it, they make me laugh still. But then again, I am stupid, so I'd laugh even if it was stupid humor.
0: I think, I think that's actually funny. I don't think it's like, I think it's silly, but I don't think it's stupid. I don't know, like stupid is like, yeah. <laughs> I don't I think it's silly stuff. Right. Like, I and mean, it's a lot of callbacks and it's a lot of, you know.
1: Yeah. Uh- <laughs> I do think that a lot of the jokes are well thought out, and especially when it comes to making jokes around Toph being blind. Like when Appa, when Sokka and Aang like fly down next to her, of course she can't like hear and know that he's there cause it's like, he's just levitating. So when she, when they're like, Hey, she's like, so not off, these falls. That's hilarious. <laughs> but it's like not like a bad, it's not like a bad joke to that make. It's exactly just like logical.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course she'd be terrified
2: to hear Sokka's voice in her ear suddenly. Um, but, like, speaking of callbacks, I do love um, how when the guru is, like, teaching Aang to unlock these chakras, that we get, like, these direct flashbacks to events that have happened in the show before. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, like, it just uh, speaks to the show's willingness to assume the audience is familiar with these moments um, in a way that a lot of, like, Nicktoons did not expect you to watch every single episode of SpongeBob and know the continuity. Um, it's just, like, great to see the show paying off on these ideas um, and watching Aang work through them in a lot of ways.
0: I love how this show does like, it's like their version of a clip show. Cause they also do this with the theater in, in book three where they recap stuff. So I love that. And I love them putting all this stuff into context. And like, these are pretty like, again, like Buddhist concepts that are so, deep and abstract and then not only are they like explaining it in a way that's accessible to children but it's also like i'm putting everything else that came before it in the context of um of this you know like
2: right yeah it's a great way to teach like emotional intelligence to children to be like remember when ang felt this way about this thing he did well here's like here let's like spell out what emotion he felt in that moment and let's talk about how you can work through that emotion with a more positive emotion like that's just something you don't think about when it comes to like children's media but like talking about emotions and naming them is like such a powerful lesson to teach kids
0: yeah even like i was watching and they're like like one chakra was shame, and then the other one was grief, and the other one was guilt. And I was just thinking, like, damn, like, I never even thought of like grief and guilt differently, and like having them, you know, explain differently in like two different instances. Like, oh, it's so cool.
1: Yeah. yeah. I also appreciate, I mean, you said it was, like, a clip show, but I appreciated how short the clips were. Like, they had to work through eight of these different things. So, like, to work through them, and I feel like other shows would play, like, such a longer context-giving clip of what they're talking about or whatever. And then for this, it was just, like, short little moments that, like, took us back there and then had Aang work through it in the present, uh, which was really nice of them. Right. And, I mean, we did talk about, like, um ang and
2: zuko's pe- or past and so it's interesting that zuko does show up in that fear segment at least as the blue spirit like I, I, i'm pretty sure that's like the first flash he gets when uh the guru asks him like what are you afraid of he sees the blue spirit like coming at him with his swords um which is a like another great subtle way to remind us of the tension between these two characters even though they haven't interacted on screen like we said since like, like 10 episodes ago <laughs> right like forever ago it's just and smart. even
0: though like Aang has never been fully defeated by Zuko, like he always gets away, like he's still scared of him.
2: Right. And that must have been a terrifying moment for him, too. Like, you don't even think about how scared Aang was in that moment, but it was like he was tied up. He had no way to defend himself like he usually does. Um, so of course that makes sense for him to be terrified. Um, yeah, it's there's a lot of moments in this episode that remind me that these are like children that we're talking about. That's a great one. And then earlier, it's like a funnier moment, but when Katara's in like a war meeting and Momo starts playing with all the pieces, like, of course, Qatar like laughs and like jokes about it because she's still like a 14-year-old girl. And so it's like crazy to think about this 14-year-old girl is helping these grown men plan a mass
1: invasion on another like country. Like this poor, these poor kids. (laughs) Something we haven't really talked about yet but is in line with that. Like all of, all of Sokka's interactions with his dad are like very, like it's, it's like, it's like the, is all of the men he has idolized since he was a child and he still is a child. He's finally getting to show them what he can do. So
0: yeah. So important.
2: It, yeah. Yeah. I love that Saka gets validated there. Like that's such a, it really like justifies like why they, like why these scenes are there. Cause it's like, if you're thinking about it in the grand scheme of things, it's like, well, why did Saka have to see his dad in this moment? It's like, that's a great sort of cap for his character on the like end of the season to like really validate the growth he's gone through, especially after he's been through so much since the last time he's seen his dad uh, to like really receive, like to be called a man, even, I don't know, like, (laughs) like not to like unpack all, whatever that means, but it's still like, obviously it's important to Sokka to be called a man by his dad.
1: Um, And so it's yeah. Great to have, like to go back to Bato of the water tribe. Like we learned that, his dad left for the war before Saka had been able to go through the like ritual of adulthood or whatever. And mm-hmm. to even, and I don't even know if his dad knows he has at this point, if he and Bato ever linked back up, but like he's recognizing him as an adult now. <clears throat>
0: yeah. And like, I guess like in the way that, that Sokka got validated, like, I think um, Toph got validated and, like, I can't fuck with my family. Like, they, you know, they, like, you know, I mean, they sent those two guys, like, my mom didn't even come see me. You know what I mean? Like, that mm-hmm. kind of validating thing. Um, which, yeah. you know, goes on to, you know, in Cora, uh, you see, like, how she treats her kids and
2: stuff. <laughs>
0: yeah. But <laughs> it's interesting, like, Um. Yeah, because Toph only left because she thought her parents were there to see her and like respect her, and they don't. Um. So ultimately, like, she's. I think she probably struggled or felt bad for a second running away, and then in that moment, she's like, "No, fuck them," you know. Especially, like, um, when she bended metal, and she's like, "I'm the greatest bender in the world. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: like, powerful."
1: Like I feel like she's said that before and we very clearly know she is super strong or whatever, but we don't have like a good gauge of I don't know, like this, but this is just so clearly that like she's able to do something that no one else in the world has ever been able to do. And like the guy just said it as an offhanded remark, but it's probably like a like an earthbender thing to be like, Well, we can get as strong as we can, but we can't bend metal, like and that's like the upper limit of our entire form and so but now she's like breaking through the barrier yeah. yeah
2: that's a great way to think about it i never had thought about it as like that's toss validation moment too where um it's almost like she has zuko's journey right there but she comes out of it better than zuko does because she is offered that like family validation through her family but her family like we said isn't they're not good they don't care for her um in like the way that they should they obviously care about her but not in a healthy way Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's great that she's like offered that and she sees that it's not what she thought it would be and she takes that power back and she's like no actually i'm gonna validate myself by literally being the strongest person to be walking on this planet right now like that's so awesome to see and i've never thought about it as like an opposite to what zuko's going through in this moment
0: because Zuko was deceived multiple times already. Like Azula has dangled the "you're gonna go home," but finally thing to him, and and has tricked him and all this stuff. And then he never he never had that fortitude or that foundation to be like "fuck this, I don't care about home." Um, you know he he kept trying. So yeah, to see and then also talking yeah like. Um, it is another message because Toph is blind and it's like there you know there's all these limitations for blind people and all this stuff and like over and over she shows that like there are no limitations limitations aren't real and you can break through anything so like this is another thing of like yeah I'm the greatest you know
2: (laughs) yeah just a like a young blind girl like can literally be the best the strongest person on the show like that's such an awesome validating thing, not for just the character, but for like you said, people at home. Yeah. Who can relate to that experience of like feeling like they are like they have to they're, they're they're like stuck in like a box and but they can't achieve other things and talks like, no, you can't. It's awesome. Great lessons for children. Mm-hmm. Hot take.
0: Great lessons for kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. Avatar The Last Airbender is good. Yeah, we,
1: we like it. I will say it was probably <laughs> a little bit easier for her to deny her family uh, as opposed to Zuko. Like, Azula is oh, offering sure. him everything that he's always wanted, and they're taking her away in a cage. But that's you know, <laughs> they're, they're saying <laughs> like the same well,
0: thing. Well, they took her away in a cage, but the mom, but the, the thing that lured her was her mom, like, hey, I'm in the city, I would love to see you. And I like, kind of like, I'm coming to meet you where you're at and gonna respect you. Um... Yeah. To go on another, like, 80th tangent, <laughs> have y'all seen Cobra Kai?
2: No, I haven't no. yet.
0: I really like it, and it's really interesting. Um, it's really, really interesting. Is I really- there something...
2: Then that show that like speaks to this,
0: yeah. Sorry, yeah, I know that's the (laughs) whole point. The karate, you have seen the karate kid, right? Mm -hmm. It's basically following the, the bad guy, the bully of the karate kid, like 20 30 years later, and seeing how his life has unfolded and how, and it's just showing like that there's no binary of like bullies and good people, and that everyone's trying, and that also like they just, they revisit a lot of the scenes from the Karate Kid, and you, like, in the moments, you're like, like, in the movie, you're watching it, and you're like, oh, um, yeah, of course, like, Ralph Macchio's the good guy, and all this yeah. stuff, but then when they're revisiting it later, the guy's like, yeah, this guy keep kept trying to kick my ass over and over again, and wouldn't leave me a, you're, and then you're like, oh, I don't know, so it's just like, It just reminds me, and then like the character arcs and all this stuff, like um, the, the the leader, the sensei of Cobra Kai, which is the bad guy in the Karate Kid, now he's older. He reminds me so much of Zuko and like his arc and stuff and the lessons he learns and how he's learning them. And then also like in a lot of ways, like Ralph Macchio's character um can be a huge bully sometimes and is doing like really fucked up shit too so though the, that was like a good and yeah my niece it's interesting because um yeah my niece is 12 and my other cousin's 13 and they love cobra kai oh my god cobra kai so i was like oh, whatever like it looked kind of corny when i but then i'm watching it, i'm like wow this is so good like tv for kids is so good right <laughs> now yeah, lessons about bullying and about all this stuff, and it's really diverse. I don't know. So this is like reminds me of like a well made thing that's for kids, but it's teaching deeper lessons. And then also like this path to being good and evil is not clear or linear, and that like people have need to go through all this stuff and realize things on their own and all this stuff. So yeah,
1: nice. That was, I mean, I have. I feel like we love as a society watching a story where like a story where they take a villain we know from some story and then we like see the story from their point of view and like obviously Wicked is like a big thing for that um just speaking from my white gay experience and And, like there's just all sorts of stuff like that and I feel like this show has that built in where they like deconstruct the villain While the villain is existing in their own show with Zuko, and I just think that's very cool for sure,
2: yeah. Because this you could uh, easily see a version of the show where it's just like you have the generic bad guy who's always chasing down egg, like because there's already tension in the idea of I have to save the world, but now you're adding this other character who's going through his own tension as the kid of the guy who wants to destroy the world. Um, and so it sounds a lot like that the Cobra Kai idea of like villains like what is a villain really like everyone has a different villain in their own story they all think they're doing the good thing uh which is interesting that Iroh we kind of talked about this before but like Iroh in this very episode like uh, tries to appeal to Zuko by saying you should choose to do the good thing and so I feel like this is kind of a an aspect of Iro's character that doesn't really get challenged which is the idea if he's like he really struggles to see things from Zuko's perspective. Like he just wishes he operates as if Zuko understands what Iroh means when he says being good because Iroh knows what it means to be good because he has all this life experience and he see he's been on both sides. He's been the war general who conquers like cities and he's also been the grieving father who just wants to, like, settle down and own a tea shop. And so he can say to Zuko, you should choose to do the good thing because I know what it's like to not do the good thing. And Zuko doesn't have any context for that. So it's like, of course, it's hard. It's a harder sell for Iroh to give to Zuko because he just can't relate to him in the same way that Zuko's sister, who's similar in age to him, just offering everything he could ever want to him. Um, it's just, like, it's a sad sort of, like, there's no version of this where Zuko chooses to do the right thing, I don't think.
0: Yeah, and I feel like Azula especially because of her relationship with the father, like the father loves Azula and like is always getting approval and all Zuko wants is approval from his father, which in another way is probably connected to Sokka in that, like, uh, that, you know, Saka has that approval from his father and Zuko does not. And all Zuko wants is that. So, like, having the sibling that has that approval be like, well, do things like me and you'll get it, like, is like something really um, interesting. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's uh, like a really tough thing for a kid's show to really talk about is the idea of like, not only is, can your parent be abusive to you, but your siblings can be complicit in that abuse as well um, and it's just it's a t- it's tough to watch because it feels very real to like how things can be in real life for people who are in those kind of situations where they will do quote unquote bad things just to win that approval because they just want to get out of whatever current situation they're in. Um, yeah, course go. <laughs>
0: And they, yeah, they get pushed to doing, you know, again, another piece of media. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's just the theme of this episode.
0: I know. This is like all the other things that were <laughs> me. No, this is crazy. I listened to that podcast You're Wrong About. Have y'all heard of You're Wrong About?
2: I've, mm-hmm. I've, I think I've heard of that, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's just a podcast where they, like, deep dive into different, like, his, not his, historical or recent events, and they, like, uh, you know, unpack it and stuff. And they had this ep- these episodes about the DC snipers. And I don't know, whatever you know about it, because I didn't know that much about it. Like, and y'all are probably even younger when that happened. Like, it just was like, oh, yeah, Muslim terrorism. And then it, at the end of the day, it was like a domestic violence thing. But like, it was basically this one kid who, he was abused his whole life. And then had a father figure come into his life and tell him yeah you need to kill all these people and even though he felt bad he wanted that approval from that guy so he did it you know and yeah remind, you know the whole story is sad because it's just like yeah this is just as far as somebody you know as far as somebody will go for approval and like validation you know
2: for
0: sure. um and, and he yeah. was a kid so it just really reminds me of like the zuko thing too
2: nice Died. Yeah, it, <laughs> no, that's
0: he was cool. like 16, doing all of these. 16 and 17. wow, so
2: literally Zuko's age. Yeah,
0: literally Zuko's age and killed all these people. Yeah.
2: Wow. Uh, I mean, Project. and speak. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's awful. Uh, but like, yeah, wow. Aang also is kind of going through this sort of like seeking validation too. But it's a different kind of validation. It's a romantic validation in a lot of ways, um, with Katara,
1: um, and spiritual validation, like trying to become who he thinks he's supposed to be, or who he thinks he's supposed to be through the lens of this guru who it, like, knows so much more about
2: this than he does. For sure. Yeah, that's an, another interesting aspect is the fact that Aang doesn't know this guy, really. And so the guru like can come into his life and be like, yep, here's everything, all the steps that you need to take to become the best version of yourself that you can be. Um, it's actually a lot of it. This episode is a great sort of bookend to that first episode of this season um, because uh, the first episode of the season was all about the avatar state and the general trying to force Aang by like to go into the avatar state and use it against the fire nation. And so we're kind of circling back to that idea here, but in the good way. And even when Aang is presented with the quote unquote good way to do it, he still can't bring himself to like, finish the job at least at first because it involves disconnecting himself from something that brought him strength before like in that first episode the reason Aang goes into the avatar state is because of Qatar he wants to save Qatar and so at the end of all of this like book 2 journey to be told actually that was the bad thing you shouldn't ever like you sh- it's not about saving this one person it's about just being disconnected that's it's such a great flip of the coin from that first episode um and yeah, it's great. Yeah,
0: no, it was just like what you were saying earlier, like I, how old is this monk if he knows Monkey Um, Yeah. It's like, oh. he must be very fucking old. So it's just also too of like the same thing that you said about Iroh giving Zuko a hard time or being like, you need to choose good or you need to choose this, or you need to do this. It's like all the monks and this guru like telling Aang like this is what you need to do to be a great avatar and they he, he doesn't have the life experience to know that like yeah you need to let go or that whatever blah 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 like love doesn't matter I guess is the part of it. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know he's still a kid
2: yeah that's yeah it's like these older people I mean it's very real to real life when an older person tries to tell you something as a kid, it's hard to really absorb that. And, it, and you and, but don't it, listen. You don't, yeah, even when you probably should.
0: Even when you should, but then you find out on your own.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always say that I wish that I realized that my parents were really smart a lot long earlier than I did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? Yeah, well, even my friends, too. Like, my friends will tell me, like, Oh, why would you let me date that guy? Or why did you let me this and that? Or why? I'm like, you want to listen to me anyway?
2: Right. Yeah, it's not even necessarily an age thing. I mean, that's kind of the theme in the show, but it's like that's just human nature to just assume that you're you are on the right path, you're doing the right thing. You always assume that that's what you're doing, and so to be told that is always going to be a conflict because you're like, wait, no, but I've been doing this, 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 this before this. Like, you're telling me to do this other thing and so it makes total sense that especially these child characters would be very resistant to like absorbing advice
0: and also like yeah the only way that you get on the good path or know what the good path is is by fucking up <laughs> And yeah, he's you know when the guys like, oh, you gotta let go, Katara. He's like, no, fuck you. And then in the moment, he's like, oh, I have to let her go.
2: And for then- sure. Mm-hmm. Which that moment, I I talked about the metal bending moment as like a really like, like ooh chills moment. This is a, that moment is also a big chills moment for me, but it oh, like a, I don't know, it's like a very gut wrenching moment of Ang. This is like in it, um in like a generic action show, the characters decided, okay, I'm doing this and they power up and then they defeat all the bad guys and the conflict is over. But that just that moment of like the, the lightning striking and you hear the music, like literally dying as Ang is also presumably dying as well. It's just such a like terrifying gut wrenching moment. And like remembering that feeling you felt the first time you watched that of just like absolute dread of like, it just like completely defies everything you as a child are like expecting from a, an
1: action show. It's so yeah. good. It's like he learned the lesson and now he's super powerful and he's mastered the avatar state and then he still dies. Yeah.
0: Well also too, I'm like yeah, that does make sense. Like, are all the enemies waiting for him to power <laughs> up or ass? Like, of course they're gonna try to attack. Like during,
2: like- yeah, during the Sailor Moon transformation, it's yeah. like it, they're they're like questioning the idea. Like, the first thing thought I think of is like. Um, a show I loved as a kid was Digimon and still love I don't know why I said that in past tense <laughs> but um, like in Digimon like the characters there's like a certain point in the show where they all like have like a specific sort of like trait that they are trying to like exhibit like courage or love and so like each episode oh I learned to have courage and now through courage my little creature can digivolve into something bigger and more powerful and we can win and so like that's what you expect to sort of be the trajectory of this kind of show as a kid is like, you learn the lesson and thus you get to win. And so I love that. I mean, Aang also kind of doesn't even really learn the lesson. It it almost feels like he does it out of desperation of like, well, I have to do it. And it's like, he doesn't really want it. So of course it makes sense that like doing it on like in these like false pretenses doesn't work out for him because he didn't really learn the lesson.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like what Millie was saying before with Zuko where it's not like he chose good or he's choosing this for real. It's like what he has to do or what he's, the only option he's been presented with. So it's, it's not the right thing. This, this talk about the transformation sequences made me, I just saw a TikTok about Power Rangers, where they have um, like, you know how in Power Rangers, every time they transform, there's a bunch of explosions behind them. And just like randomly, and they mm-hmm. never talked about, but I just saw an episode or I just saw a TikTok where there was an episode where, um, like someone transformed and like on purpose backwards facing away from the enemies so that the explosions defeated everybody. It was very funny. <laughs> Good, <laughs> very well, anxious. Every user.
2: time they shoot
0: up, things explode.
1: Yeah, <laughs> there's just like <laughs> behind them, just like gigantic fireworks happen, like every time um and they used that to their advantage which was
0: funny that's funny <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 it's funny
2: <laughs> they could do it too um yeah so uh like you said this is just like a very emotional episode in a lot of different ways um but visually i feel like there's also a lot of great stuff too like if we're just like going to like just the like dumb like lizard brain like ooh, cool visuals like I just like the fight sequence is so well done in this episode they're doing cool stuff with like gyms and like fire like I love this fight sequence it's so so well done
1: I agree there's I feel like there's a lot of fights in this show or like there could be anyway where the like oh I like it's cool like they're throwing rocks at each other but I've seen all that before I feel like everything they did in this fight is something that I had never seen someone on the show do before which was awesome like the, when Angley running and then like unleashes a body of air at Zirka yeah, or whatever, it's like, what was that? That was cool.
0: And I think, was that the first time that we see the arms? Like oh, the... arm of fires, arms of water shit.
2: Yeah, where they're like grappling with each other through that. Yeah, we haven't seen that before. I did love though, they brought back the octopus form that we saw before um, Katara was teaching Ang this octopus form way back in um, The Cave of Two Lovers, which is like episode two of this season. So I love that That's we're kind of getting this like recontextualized version of it where before it was like a goofy moment for Aang, but now it's like Katar's doing this in a moment where she's literally surrounded on all sides by enemies. Um, just like one of the many amazing ways this episode parallels this, like it's just a great cap to an amazing season. Um, but like even beyond just references to the show itself, I do also love that there's like a reference to like art history here in this, uh, like there's a little moment where um if you're familiar with the idea of the pieta or um the visual of like mother mary holding the um jesus um as he's been taken down from the cross he's like um sort of like draped across her lap but basically uh, there's a moment um where katara literally has Aang in that exact position um which is an interesting idea because like so much of the show and even in this episode itself is very like eastern sort of like Buddhism philosophy, but then they have this sort of reference to Western art. It's just, I don't know, a cool little Easter egg, I guess, there, to really communicate the idea of, like, a fallen sort of savior character.
1: It's also, uh it parallels the first episode of the show where Ang is, like, unle- at the end, where Ang is unleashed from the iceberg, and the first thing he sees is guitar This happens again when he, I guess he didn't die, because there's not a second avatar out there somewhere, but to use Buffy the Vampire Slayer logic, <laughs> but, uh, like, he must have been on the very brink of death, and then, okay. like, the first thing he comes out of the coma seeing is, is Katara.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and she's kind of, like, the motherly, you know, figure, and it's like, all oh, guys want to fuck their mom, blah, 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 blah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> It is very that. I think that's what they were going for. That must have been it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> very um, scary kind of shit, too, yeah.
2: Yeah, um, but uh, I guess to f- really f- like put a nail on this idea of like, let's just reference every other form of media. <laughs> this final scene with Zuko and Azula felt very um, like Avengers. Um, Thanos, when it's like, he's talking to the little girl version of, oh um, uh, what's the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. When it, she asked him like, what did it cost? every Like it felt very that for Zuko in that moment when they're talking, because he seems like very he, you can see on his face, he's like his like body language. He's like looking down at the ground. He seems he's not even like looking at Azula. Like everything about Zuko communicates that he's like really questioning what he just did, um, which is a great way to sort of play that um, final moment for Zuko because uh, you could play it so easily as like, "Yay, I did it! I finally got everything I wanted!" And but it's like, no, the instant it's over, Zuko is just like still at back at square one of like what did i just do and where am i going from here
1: he's in total shock and i feel like it is similar to when he, like a couple episodes ago he fell ill because of he was surprised by a choice he made and I, like to me it feels like he's going to go back to the fire nation and have to go through all those visions again to like to just deal with who he is as a person cuz he still doesn't know absolutely
0: and it teases season 3
2: for sure. Yeah, that's a great sort of teaser, too. Um, but uh, to, like, go back to those visions, we did literally get the physical manifestation of the blue dragon and the red dragon in this episode, too, with Azula on one side and Iroh on the other. I just, uh,
1: that's this show is so good. <laughs> and this was, that was another conversation where Zuko can barely look at Iroh when they're talking to each other. So, I and I, like, I've never noticed that happening throughout the series until we started this podcast and started talking about it but literally all of the major conversations between Zuko and Iroh one of them is not looking at the other one and it's usually Zuko.
2: Absolutely yeah it's just a great this show just uses framing so perfectly in so many different ways like that shot of right after they have that conversation of Zuko we kind of get this like slow zoom on the side without the scar the zoom on the side with the scar and this just after a conversation with Katara about what that scar means to Zuko. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, God damn it. This show is so good, <laughs> man. Uh, well, uh, I guess any other concluding thoughts on these episodes before maybe we can do like a really deep dive into like what this kind of means for book three going forward. Um,
0: we all- covered a lot.
2: I we covered the show and other shows. And
0: many other shows.
2: <laughs> uh, so I guess Millie, do you want to like tell people where they can find you uh, for the people who are going to dip out?
0: Uh, um, you can find me on Twitter at Millie Tamerez, uh, m-i-l-o-y-t-a-m-a-r-e-z M i l l o y t a m a r e z. Or on Instagram, at Millie on Fire, or Millionaire, depending on what you think. It's L L Y 4
2: I always
1: write it as Millionaire.
0: Yeah, I need to change it, but somebody made a fake Instagram with my name.
1: Oh. Do they right. use your pictures, too? Yes. And what?
0: And it has 80 followers and like some of them, like most of them are people who think that it's me, like my like, like friends. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Oh Do not follow that one. We won't link that
0: one. <laughs> yeah, don't <go> follow <laughs> Tamara's on Instagram. Follow Millionaire.
2: <laughs> <there>. Okay. <laughs> um, Well, you can find me at RainDiericks on Twitter and you can find us at Pod on Twitter and Instagram, and that at- is us.
1: That is us. Both of those are Derek and I'm at safe Standish on Instagram and Twitter. You can follow my other podcast word on the Straits, str8s on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and you can subscribe to my Substack. I'm writing my thoughts every single day this year as I don't know why, but it's something I wanted to do. Um, but that's it. Thanks.
2: <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, uh, we kind of had, like, touched on some, like, future events before. Um, but obviously, the the events of this are going to, like, lead directly into everything that's about to happen in Book 3. And like we said before, Zuko, you know, he's going to have to deal with the aftermath. And he does get there eventually, but it does take a while, <laughs> which is always interesting to think about, the, like, the, that the show, t- like, you assume Zuko is going to join the group, like, pretty quickly, but he doesn't join until, like, the last six episodes of the show it's crazy yeah. to think about it. but i'm excited for it
1: the main thing in this episode for me going forward and isn't and it isn't even really something that i fully understood until maybe today when i rewatch this episode uh but like ang mastering the avatar state he does do it in the finale like he is able to go into the avatar state for that one second to lift the oceans and put them back down but like he ne- he doesn't release himself of his earthly links like he still goes on to merry guitar and like he's involved in the earthly realm as well as being the master of the spiritual realm and i didn't i don't think that i understood until today watching that it's be- like he it's because of the conversation he has with Iroh. Where, like, he, he's still Iroh validates his spiritual choice and like his decision to choose love and happiness over. I can't remember what the other alternative was that Iroh said, but like, I didn't, I never processed that like Aang's choices in this moment were validated. I never like fully listened to what Iro's conversation was, and I never understood at the end of the show why he's able to master the avatar state. And I think it's because the guru didn't know everything like he yeah. did, ultimately that was one way to go about doing this but he Aang has ang discovers a new path forward and is and i'm sure most other avatars in the past also did it this way right
0: yeah like, I mean, they didn't I mean, all unlock all the jobs who was, was married and all this stuff and they all found people but yeah that's a good yeah. point
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's like the show itself gives you those hints that like the Guru, like this isn't the only way to do it, um, but it's in a lot of ways, is almost like the like fast and easy way for Aang to do it. Not easy, but it's like, well, yeah. here's like a, a fool, yeah very pragmatic, like foolproof, like this is how you can actually just physically force your body into like, like mastering it. Um, so I love that the show is like, no, you have to emotionally go through it too. To really like let that lesson sink in. Because obviously Aang does learn a lot by like letting go of these negative emotions, but he doesn't really get there into, like you said until that final moment where he can do that. Um just yeah.
0: Stuff. I feel like this this really shows like destiny and mission, like, which is gonna go into the the final book, but it's like that even though other people will tell you what is right and wrong and what you should do, you need to get there on your own and figure it out, and it's not going to really even mean the same. Which I feel like is obviously Zuko, but it's obviously Aang too, because everybody's like, Yeah, kill, <laughs> kill the fire lord, yeah, you need to do it. And, um, and you know, he finds his own way and he does his, you know, he does things. His own finds his own path and whatever, which is, you know, which I was thinking like Kyoshi or Korra. Um, if they were in the situation where they had to kill the Fire Lord, they would not hesitate to be like, no, <laughs> I don't give a fuck. But that's not their mission, their mission is something else. You know, Korra's is finding compassion, which Anne would do immediately. Like, Aang has no problem finding compassion, in other, uh, having compassion for even his enemies. Um, but Korra really struggles with that. And the same thing with Kyoshi has other issues, with you know, as I'm finding out in the book. So that's what this, this, like, um, episode really solidified or, like, kind of put for me was, like, mission and your destiny is what you decide but also you have to get there on your own and you can't be guided by anyone else
2: yeah that's a great way to think about it it's like yeah the fire this specific conflict is was like almost tailor-made for Aang to struggle with like because the only way it seems like is for him to just like take him out and like you said cora would do that easily and so i love that it's just great storytelling to and we
1: we get we get a flash to him being sorrowful, or regretful of having injured someone. And I think they use a clip from the premiere of this season. I can't remember which, where it fell in the order, but he's like, all those people got hurt because of me. And I think it's when he like is dealing with remembering the avatar state. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he, like, yeah, that first episode, he's
2: thinking about all those people on those ships he hurt. And so I love that they bring that back in this episode, this idea of like, guilt of like hurting people um man but, yeah, so, that's, yeah.
0: but that's life though too i mean that's like at least the buddhist point of view of life is that you know everybody has challenges everybody no matter what and they're difficult to us based on our life you know and maybe to somebody else the problems that we have wouldn't be challenging but that's like what is brought to us for us to karmically uh, challenge and fight. So in that way,
2: yeah. Nice. Also, yeah. It just is a great coincidence that also just makes for great, great television. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> great philosophy, great television. That's I, it. I
2: want more. I want more. <laughs> I know that's like the ultimate goal of this podcast is to make everyone <laughs> just wish we had more of this goddamn show <laughs> to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh. Man, uh, so I guess uh, any other thoughts on the episode or future events before we sign off? I feel like we've really, I don't know. It's just, and I'm so excited for book three. There's so many great, even more episodes as much as I love book two and think that's perfect. I'm like, there's still so much more to go and I'm excited I, to go.
0: Uh, I love book three. I, mean, I, I started watching the first episode and yeah, like the challenges for Aang of, like, being humble and staying back and not revealing, you know? Um, Very
2: Zuko in the season is very that.
0: Exactly. So, yeah, like what Zuko went through last season like this. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
2: Um,
0: Interesting, yeah.
1: I'm excited to get to book three because I will finally see the clip that Netflix uses to promote the show when you put your cursor on it for too long. They use an episode, they use a clip from The Headband, which is oh, yeah. yeah. like this is why is this what i'm like why is this like, what goes? Is so deep. i it's was so like, revealing like, of what happens
0: i'm like does it think that i'm on this episode i yeah i didn't know that it was for everybody okay
1: yeah
2: it's like a- here's a- the main character in a completely different outfit that he's usually not in like talking with to characters hair. that you see <laughs> yeah with a- <laughs> that's so i've never thought about how ridiculous that is every time but yeah it's just a weird decision to show the footloose episode
1: there have to be so many better clips from the random season one episodes like that it just it doesn't make sense but we'll finally be past the point where that's a spoiler (laughs) yep i'm excited for that too then i guess
2: (laughs) uh well i guess millie do you want to remind people where they can find you one last time
0: yes um, you can find me at Millie Tamers on Twitter and at Millionaire or Million Fire M-I-L-O-Y. <laughs> Oh, and four I R E on Instagram.
1: Thanks. We'll link both of those.
2: <laughs> and, yes, we will. Um, and I'm at Rain Derics on Twitter. You can find us at Bitter Pod on Twitter and Instagram.
1: At Sam Stanish, Instagram, Twitter, Substack. At Word on the Straits, cr8s Instagram, Twitter.
2: Hello. <laughs> uh, okay, well, Millie, thank you again so much for joining us. Thank um, for and time. thank you, everyone. Yeah, of course. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.